Where is Ela Wanton? The radio, like a messenger boy peeking through the doorways, questioned every Elanian household. Ela was wading through a damp lane of Sector E. Her face was shrouded under a scarf, and her was car parked way behind her. Kale's house was a tiny blue-colored room with a metallic door and window, both shut tight but not locked. Ela stepped in. There was trash everywhere, in every cupboard, in every corner. except on a wooden chair in one corner she barely made it to the chair and took an awkward seat wherever she stepped or rested her arm there was a file or a paper covered in dust she sneezed twice before she pushed the table away a plastic bag resting against it came falling to her feet the door flung open and there was kale in his white hole-ridden sandal dew drops of tea were caramelized in his mustache there you are Ella shoved the papers back inside. "Where's the bag?" she asked. Kale stepped over heaps of trash and walked past Ella to the wall behind her. He picked up the plastic bag and casually started to map the pages coming out of it on the wall. When done, he flicked the light switch on. At the first glance, Ella could not make anything of it in the dimness. When she walked closer to the pinned collage, her pupils widened as her mind raced again and the picture began to form. The heist in inner Elenai, in the bank of outer Elenai, Gardan, Shahzad, Jung, all of it was neatly tacked with a string linking the events. Is this a joke? Why is the deputy governor of outer Elenai on your board? She asked. Kale did not respond. Are you a conspiracy theorist now? She asked. Just take the bag, ma'am, Kale said. You think I don't care about justice? Ella turned to him. This is not the deputy governor. It's his twin brother Rubel, he said. Ward? Yes, Kale said. He works at No Monday Pub. Did you interrogate him? Yes, he gave me a name Jojo, Kale said. There were two of them at the hospital. I thought it was Jojo. You mean other than Gardan? Ela asked. Yes, two young boys. We have Jojo in custody. He denies everything. What do you suspect? she asked. A missing suspect. Put some clothes on quick," she said. She waited for Kale to come out. When he arrived, they walked to her car and drove off. She knocked on the door and old Saini opened it, taking his time. He stared at her indifferently. Ella could smell his foul breath from where she stood. He invited her. Ella stayed by the door after she noticed the mess inside and the harsh television noise. "What were they here for?" she asked. "Maps." What did they talk about? She asked about the location or something. But Saini had lost interest. He was staring at the television screen. That is him. He was frantically pointing. He asked about my eye. A report about the newly appointed governor of Outer Elenai was running with a photograph of Obil stretched over the screen. Kale produced a news clipping out of his pocket and showed it to Saini. Yes, that is him. Go on. He came for the bank map some time back. He said he was with the government. Ela and Kale ran off to the jeep. So Robel stole his brother's identity to get the maps. He was the second boy at the hospital. She spoke as they drove. No, Kale said. Robel killed his twin brother and took his place. The wheels of steel clanked as Ajit pushed the wheelchair across the coarse stony path. His gaze was fixed straight ahead, but everything seemed fogged up. What are you doing, you son of a bitch? 
Silva was yammering. Where do you think you are taking me? Shut up, Ajit had had enough. Why am I here? Stop whimpering like a bitch and turn me around. How could it be taken away from him so swiftly? It was all Silva's fault. He had found a hope in Ela. His will to live had been rekindled. You turned her into a monster like you, he said. He marched with tears in his eyes, away from the woman he had trusted more than his rational had permitted. It was one thing to serve as a minion to the devil himself, but being in bed with one was disconcerting to his soul. It was eating his heart inside out. The way her campaign was fought was dirty enough for him to tie a stone to his conscience and drowning it. In his dream, tiny skeletons of school children lay at the front at the foot of a throne. He was one of the skeletons in a part to top. His tears hardened as he gaped at the sheer nothingness ahead of him. He was an inch away from toppling Silva off his chair. Back and forth, back and forth, its wheel moved. Take all my money. Take it all. Don't do the wrong thing. I'm not a monster. Ajit shook and jerked in disgust. You don't want the blood of an old man on your hands, Silva pled. Quiet, Ajit yelled. How old are you? 45? 50? Silva asked. If I were as weak as you, I would not have reached here. You do not know how many foes I have outlived. I was in love once, said Silva. Was it goo or water? Something rolled down Silva's eyes. Then what happened? Ajit asked. I outlived her too. Now turn around and take a different path. Take a second chance. Give me a second chance. No, Ajit said. He lifted the chair from the back. I'm just an old man in a wheelchair, you coward. Just do it already. Silva screamed. The wheelchair moved. It turned around. That's what I thought, Silva said. Rubel was sitting in the governor's chair and Devina hovered around him with a glass in her hand when the receptionist announced a visitor. It was his first business as the governor of Outer Illinois. Rubel adjusted his coat and waited. There was no knock on the door. Instead, a hefty woman barged in and took a seat in front of him. Ela Wanton, she introduced herself. "Where's your brother?" Ela asked. Before he could lie, there was a knock on the door. "Come in." Ela called in another inspector. Rubel felt a jolt. He remembered the officer from somewhere, only not in such a morose condition. He grabbed the handle of his chair and tried to hide his anxiety beneath the table. He still had one trick up his sleeve. "Home," he said. "We stopped by. Nobody answered." He signaled Devina to leave them alone and pressed the mute button on the telephone. He looked back at Ela and then at the inspector's unusually hanging arm. However, Ela did not permit the inspector to clear out of the room. He's the officer who came looking for him at the restaurant. He was sure he had no time to spare. "What do you want?" he asked. "Where's the body?" Ela asked. "Okay." Rubel tapped the table. "Here." He handed her the Manila envelope. Ela read the entire document. She put it back in the folder and handed it to Kale. She was either so shocked that she didn't feel anything or she knew its contents already. Kale handed her the bag by his side. Before Rubel could open the bag, she passed him a paper. Sign this by tomorrow, 
I'm sure you'll like it. The moment they left, he opened the bag and stared at all the money. What was all that about? A congratulatory visit? Devina asked from the doorway as she re-entered. Let's just say we share a mutual feeling, Rubel said, zipping the bag close. He let her sit by his arm when he turned around the paper in his hand. It was blank. Even before completing it, he leapt out of his chair and ran out in the lobby. Are you serious? At least tell me what's it for? Rubel asked loudly, making everyone around stare at him and the new governor of Inarelnai. Yes, Ila replied. I want it signed and on my table by 5:30 p.m. tomorrow. She woke up next morning with an awfully quiet heart. There seemed nothing new. It was not the golden glowing morning that she had envisioned. The sun was bright in a way that scorches your back, but it doesn't make you sweat. Ila sat by the side of her bed, staring at the envelope over the table. It possessed so much power, but it did nothing. She was powerless, helpless, a slave to its custodian. She pulled open a drawer to check her pistol and then closed it back. Soon she got up to fix herself some breakfast. The house felt still and desolate as she climbed down the steps. There were birds chirping outside but it was only audible if you listened intentionally. As she passed by the main door her eyes caught a sleek shadow at its bottom. She slowly opened the door. It was a newspaper. Ila did not bend down. She could clearly read the headlines. Food poisoning at Sector E Public School. 54 dead, many hospitalized. Low voter turnout in Sector E as parents rush to hospitals. She had made the headlines. After a meager breakfast, she climbed back upstairs. The sunlight was beaming all over the floor. It touched her feet. Ila walked into its path. She was now standing in front of a mirror. Her face was white and her lips thick and chapped. She ran a hand through her hair and stretched it forward to unhook her gown from behind. It fell onto the floor like a curtain of lie. One of her fingers traced a path around the mark of her chest. Then the spot disappeared beneath the fingertip. She lifted her finger back, but the spot did not disappear. Nothing appeared as it was. She rushed into the bathroom and turned the shower on. Tiny pins of water pricked her chest. She could hear the bullet tear through Gardan's skin. She could hear the children recite. She could hear herself whimper and when the tears felt too heavy, she tipped her head under the cold shower stream. She climbed into her car and pulled out of the garage. There was a crowd surrounding a house at the corner that she drove past. It was robbed late last night. The couple that lived there was involved in violence. The husband was shot dead while he had attempted to shoot the robber from sector E. Ila slowly moved away from the crowd, ignoring a salute by an on-duty officer. There were two body bags lying by the gate, which was taped shut. Why violence? Her mind asked. Both men must have had their own reasons and beliefs to point a gun and shoot at each other. Victims or assailants, the sum total at a societal level. a higher level was always nil statistics makes no sense when accounting emotionally from crimes you can shoot someone from inches away to savor the trevor in their eyes or you could simply poison their food from a distance it had caused that woman and her husband it must have caused someone a son somewhere 
but from an impersonal angle it had caused two incomplete contributions to a society that demanded no needed a lot ila quietly continued on her journey at 5:30 pm the blank paper arrived from out elenai signed and stamped ila had spent the day in solitude waiting for it she withdrew a similar paper from a drawer except it had her signature on it and some content neatly typed abolishment of curb controlled utilization of resources and benefits act it read she compiled stamped and filed them before handing it to her assistant for photocopying and announcement later that evening in the evening when most of the staff had cloaked out she sat at the typewriter and began drafting another letter herself it was a resignation she signed it and left it under a paperweight dusk was falling when she stepped out of the office building she turned around after she had climbed down the step to look at it for one last time it looked just as it was supposed to look grand and unchanging late evening purple lights lighted the humongous pillars that kept it upright its foundation unhurt its prestige unshattered ila got inside a car and drove deeper inside sector a she drove without no hurry in the world the car radio was cackling a hip song about a beautiful brown farm girl ila was in love with that farm girl how she played all day on tire swings gathered flowers in a basket on her waist and laughed like a brook she bent down from her knees and back and tried crawling inside the fence through an opening at the bottom the wires tried but couldn't entangle her hair with one hand supporting her she sneaked in the earth was still shining under the dimming lights as if she had walked into a pool of red wine she walked down till she was standing at the edge of the hole little birds scurried high over her head in big awkward circles chirp chirp they went past her ears ila ran her gaze around the perimeter of the hole till it met the other end at the edge of her sight a small light flickered there distant but clear she looked at the envelope that was crumpled in her fist and began tearing it into pieces the hole waited like a hungry pet dog it waited to reclaim what it had granted like fruits of its elaborate conjuring ila jerked her wrist and the pieces went flying among the birds and then floated there till the darkness leapt up and dragged the pieces inside away from light the light that flickered at the other end was a flashlight held awkwardly by ruble in one hand as he struggled to write with the other he was almost at the end of the letter thanks to the gun whispering death in his ear he held the flashlight between his teeth and resi- read his resignation for mebi junior seems okay mebi junior present there in a freshly ironed white uniform asked one of his aides the aide nodded his head and looked back at their car the car had arrived at the infinity tower when ruble was leaving for home he climbed in without a protest when mebi junior flashed his face the aide signaled with a snap of his finger and two men dragged her out of the back of the car amara did not struggle any more than her theatrics permitted her to her mouth was shut tight with a tape and her hands were tied back she stopped next to mebi junior and waited for him to speak her gaze was undecipherable she did not even acknowledge ruble who was squatting by their feet like all was forgotten she stared blankly ruble watched maybe junior pat her on the back and walk her near the edge of the hole he was muttering in her ear in an 
amicable voice the muttering turned her quite motion of the lips when they were at the edge amara seemed detached as if all emotions were wrung out of her before she was tied up maybe junior ran his finger over her face and patted her again on the back this time amara nodded as soon as she did maybe junior stepped back she continued walking away from them and without any hesitation took a nose dive rubel's bones shuddered sacrifice maybe junior said rubel got back on his feet she was your daughter yes she was young too but you saw that white smile on her face people will never accept you what people people don't decide anything at most they influence they are benevolent simple and forgetful he paused before he asked smiling you know where they put me in custody he was housed at the ritz penthouse elanians paid for his stay your ideas are your own they do not represent this world this anger inside you it will dry up as you crack old you know what idealists are remembered for just their ideals nothing more your ideas of revolution cannot move a pebble actions can action turn this world and action need power i have the power and i have my own ideas that were once unusual he was inside his car now just one foot on the ground this world is as old as the man in command son wait for your turn without turning its headlamps on the car rolled away leaving rubel and the chattering of birds behind his gaze followed the red tail lamp of the car till it was out of the fence for a long time he stood there taking in what had just transpired he took the flashlight out of his pocket and pointed it at the darkness of the hole the beams of light hesitating to inch forward he could hear garden's plead help me ruby boy it must have been a hard fall he fathomed garden was too old to die that way maybe he succumbed to the fall and was dead even before the splash or maybe not maybe he was still falling like the old tales say rubel recalled their rash conversation forget everything about the lost job ruby boy he had said forget everything about the past rubel unclicked the pen that was still in his hands it was obel's pen he looked at it for the last time and tossed it into the hole he reached inside his pockets and a pack of easy fell out he shifted the flashlight in his other hands and bent down to grab it his head spun as he bent down at first he was at the tall steps near sector a then at his hanging hut and then back near the hole he was too close to it he had been inside the hole a thin rope suspended in the darkness had saved him in that moment of uncertainty he had not thought about his wrongs the right he hadn't done had flashed before his eyes now that he was standing alive as a free man way above the grips of death against the will of gravity a contemplation was evoking in him he was never meant to be obel all that time he had spent in fear in a shell was a nightmare of the past starting tomorrow he would not be a ward anymore not tied to sector e anymore he stared at the packet that was still in his hand for a while at the sparkling crystals of his shattered past so much was lost he hurled it in the hole with all his might birds still fluttered over him he smiled and turned the flashlight off the sky had gone dark when he looked up at the birds they were still there floating high above the hole the end